Today's episode of Wizards After Dark is brought to you by Robinhood. With Robinhood, you can invest in stocks, options, and ETFs right from your phone. You can even spend and earn interest on uninvested cash. And with fractional shares, you can buy stocks in a in any amount, including companies like Apple, Amazon, and Tesla for as little as $1. And that's with no commission, fees, or account minimums. So whether you're new to investing and ready to learn or just looking for a better experience, stop waiting and join the 10 million Robinhood users. Listeners can get started with a free stock by going to wizards.robinhood.com. That's wizards.robinhood.com. All investments involve risk. This is not investment advice, a recommendation, or a solicitation of any security. Other fees may apply. Visit rbnhd.co slash fees. The free stock program is subject to certain limitations. Annual percentage yield APY on uninvested cash is paid by program banks and is variable. Robinhood Financial is not a bank. Hey, we're doing a little bit of a weird Wizards After Dark today, so I am not at the game. I'm Fred Katz. I'm the host of Wizards After Dark, and I cover the Wizards for The Athletic. But today, I just sit on my couch for nobody. Uh, Well, still for The Athletic. I guess I just get paid to be in my underwear for today. And I'm sitting down right now, and I'm watching the Wizards-Bucks game at around 10 p.m. Eastern Time. And the Bucks currently lead 123 to 112, and Wes Matthews is at the line with nine minutes and 49 seconds left in the game. And I figured, you know what? Let's do like a a funky little setup here, and instead of talking about the game when it's over, let's talk about it while it's going on. And uh, if if it ends up being boring and pointless, and nobody knows what we're referencing when we're done, then I apologize. This was a stupid idea. But I was like, let's let's see if this is at all an entertaining format. And uh, when I wanted to try out little guinea pig stupid ideas, I figured I'd uh, I'd I'd call up my my buddy who will somehow still make something out of nothing, no matter the situation. And uh, so I got Ben Standig on the other line of Skype with me. Fred, all I can say is that no matter what happens, unlike the Wizards here, I can defend your proposition. <laughs> Yo, that first half, they gave up 240 points over six quarters. They gave up 152 to Atlanta, and then they gave up 88 in the first half of this game to Milwaukee, and it was nuts. Well, important qualifier, Milwaukee's missing a certain player. Yes. <laughs> Fair. Yeah, the, Gian, like I, in the pregame... I mean, God bless Justin Kutcher trying to keep us interesting. He's like listing the Wizards have, you know, several guys out. He's listing them, and, and it was like four guys on the Wizards side, one on the other. And he goes some something like, and the Milwaukee is only missing Giannis Antetokounmpo. And I'm like, uh, I don't know about only, but okay. Did you think so? Right now, Beal at nine and a half minutes left in the fourth, and Bledsoe's the line in a 14-point game. Beal is uh, getting ready to check back in. Did you? I thought he was going to play the whole second half. I actually tweeted that I thought he was going to play the whole second half, and then 20 seconds after I tweeted it, Scott Brooks sat him. It makes sense that he sat him, but I really thought this was going to be one of those, like Bradley Beal is going to sit the whole second half thing. Something's going on. I got this on mute, and Beal seems distraught, and Budenholzer seems distraught. Do you know what's happening right now? I don't. I have it on mute, too. Beal was coming into the game, and it looks almost like they're saying he can't. Well, okay, he was coming in while somebody was shooting a free throw, and yeah, they're denying him to come in, even though he was at the score. Maybe the score table didn't recognize him there. 
It's all only thing I can imagine. Yeah, well, this is this is killer podcasting. Us just watching, having no idea what's going Ugh. on, not on a live format at all, and then people can listen to it later and have no idea what we're talking about. This is this is uh, the kind of stuff that I wanted out of this, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, oh, absolutely. Plus, we just saw a one shot by one of the wizards missed everything but the backboard. So this is a you think um, you think Chris Middleton's an all star. Would you have him on your? Um, uh, I'll be honest. I have not. I have not done the deep dive because I've just been busy with other stuff. But I, I'm not. I'm never the biggest Chris Middleton fan. But like, it's hard to argue having two guys on two guys from the best team by a lot in the Eastern Conference to make the team, and he would be the other guy. So I, I, I think you know if we're going to sort of make the argument, that I see people make that perhaps Bradley Beal. Or if, say, Trey Young had not been voted in, that those guys shouldn't get in because their teams are bad, uh, you could make the argument then the other way that somebody is, even if they're somewhat borderline, gets in because their team is amazing. So yeah. I would say yes based on that. I don't even think I, – I think he's an all-star for sure. I think he's actually a surefire. I, I think you could argue that he should be in there above Beal, even team quality – Aside, like even if you don't do the whole like, all right, the Bucks are forty and six, so they got to get multiple All Stars thing. I think it's a reasonable argument. He's having the best year of his career. He's and and the reason I ask, he's he's been ridiculous tonight. He's got what thirty eight right now, and he, but this year, coming into tonight, Chris Middleton career high fifty seven percent effective field goal percentage, and if you can't conceptualize effective field goal percentage, fifty seven percent is incredible. He's fifty from the field. 41 from three on over five a game and 89 from the line. He's really close to 50, 40, 90 right now on high volume per 36 minutes, which you kind of have to do with all of the bucks because none of them play a lot of minutes because as Wizards fans can see from this game, they sit a lot of fourth quarters. He's only playing like 28, 29 minutes a game per 36 minutes. He's 24 and a half points, seven boards and five assists. Like he's, Good team defender. I, I, I'm a, I've I've always been like I would say a Chris Middleton moderate. Wherever Chris Middleton is going, like whatever people think of Chris Middleton at that moment, I kind of just think of a more modified version of wherever it is, and and it always swings back and forth. Um, I remember that that year when he he first broke out. It was his second year in Milwaukee, I think. I want to say his third year in the league. He was like sixth or seventh in the league in defensive RPM. And there was the whole Chris Middleton is an unreal defender. Look at this. Look at the value he has. And I was like, ah, I don't know if he's that good defensively. Uh, now I'm like, because the argument people make for Middleton is the Bucks deserve a second. I'm like, nah, screw that. Chris Middleton is just having a tremendous season. Anyway, that's yeah, my uh, mistake. There, that's a good one. You know, he, he, he's a good player. I'm as with most of these things, I always sort of just spin it forward and think to myself, you know, is he the second best player on a title contending team? And I, I'm not there yet, which, which is a, irrelevant to the to the notion of how well he's performing in the regular season, which is what, you, what we're talking about here. So yes, he's having a great year, and um, part of what screws him when you're just looking at straight numbers is the same with, with, with Giannis on, on some level is they don't play that many minutes relative to what they probably would be if they weren't blowing everybody out all the time. So you have to look at more like per 36 minutes numbers and things like that. Uh, yeah. I see he, he's having a, a, a very good year and you know, I'll, I'll leave my playoff thoughts until we get there. 
Yeah, I mean the Bucks per thirty six minute stuff is crazy because like, you know, Giannis is averaging the same points per minute as James Harden. Oh, Thomas Bryant just Brook Lopez is getting dunked on. Thomas Bryant just got him. Bradley Beal got him at the start of the second half. Uh, but uh, the, the Bucks per thirty six numbers are it's amazing. Gian- Giannis is per minute numbers in terms of scoring like it's the same as Harden. They have the same efficiency. They're scoring the same points per minute and all that stuff. Like it's just that Harden's playing so many minutes, and uh, and Giannis is playing like thirty. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, look, the, the the Milwaukee, the Eastern Conference overall looks to be far more interesting than it has in years past. But Milwaukee at the moment remains, um, you know, the, the the clear team to beat at this moment in time. I, I would say, but uh, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> it's fun to talk about. This is the first time I've been on the podcast with you where we've talked about a team success because normally we're discussing the home team and uh, <laughs> and uh, and that's a uh, and that's a different story. Oh yeah, I mean the Bucks right now. So the Bucks have 127 points right now with seven and a half minutes to go in the game, and the Wizards came into this game. Let's talk about the home team. The Wizards came into this game. With a 116.1 defensive rating. 116.1 points allowed per 100 possessions. Which, since the NBA started tracking per possession data in 1996, so we'll just call that, we'll call 1996 the start of the advanced stat era. In the history of reliable advanced stats, the Wizards have the second worst defense of any team. That's what, 20, 24 years you can do the math on how many teams there were because there was expansion stuff and all that. So I don't feel like doing it in my head right now. It's a lot of teams. The Wizards are second worst. Beal just hit a three. It's a 12-point game. That's a lot of teams. Uh, after tonight, it's going to go up from that 116-1 number. 116-8 is the magic number. Uh, I have had this conversation so many times on this podcast. It is wild uh, that... We might be watching the worst team in the history of advanced scats. Uh, Troy Brown just made a layup to make it a 10-point game with seven minutes left. I can't believe they come within 10. They were down 32. Oh, no. I, 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 as I, I was watching the first half a bit more when it got insane from halftime on. I started doing some other things, and I look up, and I'm like, oh, they're chipping away a little bit. And also, I look up, and there's 10 points. <laughs> like, what, what, is, uh, what, what is happening? Uh, we know the Wizards can score, but, you know, question was you know could they actually stop anybody um uh, we've got six minutes and change left as the wizards get it back to 10 rather than go through every single basket uh, this is your podcast do you want to keep talking about sort of this or do you want to dive into some of this mid-season stuff let's 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 talk about the game we got a real game okay i I put whatever whatever you want to do oh beal just launched from like 28 and it did not go and uh looks like Thomas Bryant got the the M one put back and and he's going well, to the line. We might can, we might have a single digit game here. Let, let, let's talk about Thomas Bryant for a second because right. before this we, we we sort of touched on this a little bit in our group chat so to speak that Scott Brooks continues to start Bryant with Jan Mahimi. Now this is insane on a thousand levels. I know we've already talked about it on this podcast. I'm sure you've talked about it. With, with others, I mean, you know, in this era, it's I wrote not even about, about it. th- right. You wrote about it. it's not even about this era. Forget, I mean, in any era of basketball, starting these two guys together 
it really just doesn't make that much sense, especially when we're not talking about Samson and Elijah or Parrish and McHale, right? I mean, they're just not compatible. And, and, and the fact that Thomas Bryant, the younger player, I mean, Mahimi is – you know, whatever. Bryant is the young guy who you signed to a three-year, $25 million contract in the offseason. Based on that alone, it's part of your future. Somebody you want to continue to build, you're putting him out of position. It is so, so weird that it leads to ponder what is possibly ha- happening. So we, we one idea we were discussing, and we can flesh it out more here, is is it conceivable? So, so part of this is that Brooks, right? You took Kirby Herbon. Brooks has said that part of the reason he's doing this is with past. past okay, what, what what what's the dude's last name? I, I can't say it. Pastors next. Sure, you can okay. say that. That's not correct, but people will know who you're talking about. All right, Pastors next. Brooks wants to get him involved as well, and therefore, with three traditional-looking centers, he's starting two of them, which makes no sense to me if. Bryant is the one being played out of position unless looking big picture, which is what I continue to say is the most important part about this season, that he actually views Pachisnik's sorry, <laughs> sorry to sorry to the Latvian uh, listeners out there, that he that, that Brooks may almost view him as as being more intriguing than Bryant because otherwise I don't und- I can't understand why you would push Bryant to that spot. Now, that said, we're watching right now. Bryant's playing in the traditional center spot with Burton's in there, and he's doing some of the things we saw him do last year, being aggressive, energetic, making some you know plays inside. It's just harder for him to do that in this other lineup, and I just can't make any sense. That's one random reason I could come up with, which would still be weird to me, but uh, that's my latest theory. Yeah, it's it's not crazy. I don't know if it's true. But it would make this make more sense. Yeah, I mean, Thomas Bryant at the four, he doesn't look comfortable. It doesn't help him with his development because it's not how he's going to play. I, I wrote about this last week, by the way. And and I kind of rushed to get that story out after a small sample size because I thought it was an interesting subject matter even after they had only started two games together at the time. And I kind of rushed that story out. There was just a stoppage, by the way. Uh, Thomas Bryant's at the line right now. It's an eight-point game with six twelve left. I rushed that story out because I kind of thought it was just going to end. Thought it was going to stop. And then Brooks got away from it the next day. And I was like, good. I'm, I'm glad I wrote this. I got it out in time while he was still starting him. Brian just hit the free throw to make it a seven-point game. He was still he, he got away from it. And that was it. And then he went back to it. And, like, it doesn't help you offensively because it's not good for spacing. And Thomas Bryan is better on the inside. And if you ask Scott Brooks, if Thomas Bryan is better on the inside... He will tell you Thomas Bryan is better on the inside. He's spent Thomas Bryan's entire career in Washington. Scott Brooks has been telling him, be a roller, be a roller. Don't rely so much on your jump shot. Don't rely so much on mid-range and threes. Be a roller, be a diver, get to the rim, do all of those things. Scott Brooks has said it constantly. Um, and, And that's counterintuitive, putting him at the four, making him space more to the corner. It gives him more stuff to learn, more stuff to think about. I think it's confusing to a young player. If you do that defensively, it's like you don't want Mahimi or Bryant really away from the rim as much because the the foot speed's not there. Like they're fives. They're fives for a reason. It's not bad to be a five, but that's just the position that they are. Like Thomas Bryant's not a four slash five. So I I do think it's weird. I I do totally think it's just a, 
a weird thing. I'm surprised it's still happening. And Thomas Bryant's been good in this game when he hasn't played next to Mahimi. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I mean, and again, this is part of my, I just don't understand this. Again, I understand the, the, the desire for a coach and the players to try to win. I mean, nobody, you know, again, whenever, anytime we ever talk about quote unquote tanking, it's never the players and the coaches. It's our hype. It's, it's our hypothetical view of some nonsense is typically if it's, if it's happening, it's being controlled by people in the higher ups, not the people on the court in any event. The, but that such focus on the quote unquote winning when, when again, this season's got to be about building towards something. It, it just doesn't make any sense to do that. I mean, by the way, if you really wanted to play Pashichniks, just don't play Mahimi. This isn't that complicated. Mahimi, but was barely playing last year when you were trying to win games. So like the idea that he has to play now doesn't make sense, but okay. Mahimi's done fine lately. Well, he, look, there's 24 minutes in the first half. You can play hypothetically Bryant ten of those and split the other twelve between Mahimi and, and uh, AP, and then in the second half go with whatever hot hand you feel is warranted, right? I mean that would be one way to do it. And in that case, Bryant's getting at least twenty to twenty-four minutes a game. That you know, I mean that maybe that's not even enough, but okay. I'm saying if you just want to spread spread it out. Meanwhile, you have Bertans, who's obviously you know no, it was your second best player. I get this idea; he's been coming off the bench and yada yada yada. But like, why? Is bench production more important than helping Thomas Bryant? Let let Bertans start the game at the four. He can still play 35, 36 minutes a game. By the way, you can take him out halfway through the set, the first quarter and have him start the second quarter with the reserves. I mean, this shouldn't be that complicated. And in, in, in any scenario we came up with, the one I would put at the bottom of the list is the one where the guy I just paid $25 million or two to pee out of position. <laughs> but uh, that's just me. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't pretend to know as much basketball as people who are coaching it, but I don't know. I, I just can't figure that one out. Bradley Beal's going to go for 50, by the way. He's at 45 so, so, right now. Wait. So oh, have you have you discussed his all-star situation? Because I, I, having like not been focusing on it uh, uh, the entire league as much over the last few weeks because of other things, when I started to see – John Hollinger, Zach Lowe, and some others reveal their ballots, and Bradley Beal not be on them. I was like, "Ooh, uh, you know what, 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 what's going on here?" Um, oh, I'm not. You don't have to announce what you're doing publicly, but I mean, where, where, where are you at with the idea that Bradley Beal might not get in? And does this any of this late push of he's been scoring a lot the last few games? You think you think any of that's going to matter at this point? Yeah. Or is the perception already baked in? Nah, I think I think he's gonna do it. I think he's gonna get it. It's it's one forty with little one forty to one twenty eight with a little over three minutes left, by the way. And Beal, when I said is gonna get fifty, he's at forty five right now on twelve for twenty eight shooting. Seventeen for eighteen from the line. I don't think he has a free throw in the in the fourth quarter though. A lot of jump shots in the fourth quarter. He was going at the rim early. He's had so much success three straight games going going at the rim. And and tonight especially second half, a lot of jump shots, although it's hard to knock 45 and six assists on 28 shots. I think he's going to make it. Uh, I think the coaches tend to reward guys who have been there. He's been there. And the coaches tend to award guys who, and the coaches are the ones who vote on the reserves. The coaches tend to reward, reward guys who you have to game plan against. And... They have to do that. Scott Brooks has made this point. 
a couple of Brad's teammates have made this point where like you when you play the Wizards, you go with them and you double him. Now, that's as much of a commentary on the rest of the Wizards roster as it is on Bradley Beal. If Bradley Beal were playing next to John Wall, he wouldn't get doubled as much because people would be worried about John Wall. Uh, So that's as much of a commentary on the rest of the roster. But I do think that kind of stuff is stuff that coaches care about. When was the last time we had two guys go for 50 in one game, by the way? Because Chris Middleton has 48. 48! Chris Middleton has 48 right now. 48 points. So many points. Uh, I always like to do this thing at the beginning of the year when I would like make predictions on the Wizards season. And one would be how many points, what would be the highest score against them? Like what one, you know, and I would always imagine like one game, like, you know, Steph Curry goes off for, you know, 48 or LeBron or something. I, I wouldn't have guessed necessarily like, how many guys, this, how many guys this year have scored over 40 against the Wizards? I'm not, I mean, it's, it's more than one. You don't have to know off the top of your head. I'm just saying like, is Middleton's, what did Harden score in that first game? Harden's Harden had fifty something in that game, right? That's what I'm saying. Like Middleton's getting fifty won't even be wouldn't even be the most points they gave up to a player this year. Yeah, Beal's got forty seven now. I, I wonder when the last time two opposing players had fifty was. So 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 two so I, I don't know if this was an exact timing, but obviously it feels like Beal has picked up his you know pro- offensive production in the last few games around the time that all this all star stuff. Um, started and and you know I, you can look at this in a few different ways but you know I always love the guy who says oh yeah really that's what you think and then steps up his game a- accordingly and he's not just been scoring points I mean he's been doing it I don't have the numbers in front of me but it feels like he's been doing it far more efficiently he's not taking you know forty shots to get forty points I don't you know mean, what he's you taking mean lately tonight. you mean L- lately yes oh, yeah. yeah not 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 for not not for most of the season but but in, in recent uh games I mean, right now he has 47 points on 29 shots i mean um, he's, he's been very good he's got 18 free throws he's four for eight from three he's been excellent tonight he's been excellent yeah so i mean you know i, I the, the fact that he stepped up to the, to the criticism i guess if, the, if if that's the way to look at him and it's not simply saying he's not going to the all wouldn't, wouldn't be an all-star pick for some people isn't definitive criticism but to justify why it wasn't him people would have to start to say well this that and the other he wasn't doing as well lately and the wizards are not good therefore bye um so he he has stepped up and uh you know i i, I think that's uh you know, I mean, I think that's a so, you know a good a, a a good reminder as to what this guy what this guy can accomplish. Yes, again, they're losing; they're likely to lose. Their defense is gonna give a possibly 150 points. I get all that. I'm just saying he can't help all these things. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> part of the reason their defense is as bad as it is is because of Beal. Like, it's not it's not helping his defensive numbers. His defensive advanced numbers are are really really bad. The defense is is really, really bad when he's on the floor, in part because he plays a lot of minutes next to Isaiah Thomas. But even when he's not next to IT, the defense remains really bad. Uh, he, he has moments where he squares up guys one-on-one late in games, but it hasn't really happened like I think a lot of people thought it would when he on opening night did. Oh, my goodness. Chris Middleton with a one-handed slam, and he's got 51. 51 for Chris Middleton. I mean... I don't uh, have a producer to look this up mid-game for me right now, but that's got to be a... Has Chris Middleton ever had 50 before? Um, Certainly not I'm this not season. Sure. It's at least not this sure season. About Chris. I'm pretty sure Kate Middleton never has. I don't know about Chris. 
Man, Chris Middleton's become a hell of a player. He when he tore his ACL in college, so many people thought it was over for him. Crazy. Really amazing how how good of a player he's become. Um but the defensive case for Beal is like that's part of the reason why like Hollinger didn't have him on his reserves. That's part of the reason why. So I, I, I struggle with this notion. I mean, uh, when we talk about, I mean, I, I, you know, obviously uh, the advanced ratings, you know, are interesting. We all use them to varying degrees. Defense is tricky on some level mm-hmm. um, because of just, you know, it, it's it's more that defense is always more of a team thing than just an individual thing. Even at his peak, even with a with a team, we go back to a couple of years ago when the Wizards had a, con- uh, you know, something of a contending team. Uh, you know, n- nobody was confusing Bradley Beal with an all-defensive level player. But at the same point, in a concept in which all the five players on the court w- were at least solid, he more than held his own. He's not that long. He's not that tall relative to others' his position. But he certainly worked at it and played hard. But now in a scenario where the Wizards are basically sh- small at every position, like you said, Isaiah Thomas, I mean, my God, the first five or six minutes of this game – I mean, he was like responsible one way or the other for almost every open shot Milwaukee w- w- was getting. You know, the part of the issue with Thomas Bryant is he's not uh, much of a rim protector. They don't have any type of wing, you know, lockdown defender type. So they have issues all over the place. And in that setup, I just don't think Bradley Beal is he, he can't overcome. I'm, this is not. I'm not excusing him. He's just not such a stout defender that he could be the linchpin of your defense. On top of the fact he's being tasked with having to score almost all the points, so like I get, I get why people are knocking it. I just seems like to me a bit much when everything else on that defense is horrendous. We talk about physical fitness a lot, but there's another side to the game that's just as important. I'm talking about mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, and it is teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body. And Calm can help you train your brain so you sleep better, have less stress, and perform at your best. For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron in using Calm with a 40% discount to an annual membership at calm.com slash wizards. That's C-A-L-M dot C-O-M slash wizards. Unlock content to help you focus, ease stress, and sleep better. Get started at calm.com slash wizards. That's calm.com slash wizards. That is a dagger. Dante DiVincenzo during during the length of you talking it went from like an eight point game to an 18 point game so the Bucks lead 149 131 with a minute 30 left so I don't think we're going to be podcasting for an overtime period uh I get what you're saying and was that, was that, are you saying I was like a filibuster like you know like you're nice good. nice that was a great tweet by me what was that Oh, I made a. I thought you were referencing. I made. I made a filibuster joke on Twitter like 15 minutes before we started podcasting. Oh uh, no! Just great minds, I guess. What are the chances that we both made filibuster jokes? Well, clearly one of us, at least one of us, has been watching too much of the Senate hearings. I don't yeah. know what you're doing. But, <laughs> yep. Um, so okay, so so now that we just got, uh, you know, basically this game's got uh, a minute to go, and all of a sudden the Wizards are. We're back down 20 and, you know, the Milwaukee's got 151 points and, you know, another sort of good, you know, good job, good effort kind of out of the Wizards. Um, you know, I know you didn't want to start get into all the all the stuff, but like as a just a broad sense, like. I, I mean, what, what's the thing 
what, what are we what are we what are we talking about here with, with the trade deadline coming up? I mean, do you want to get into that just for a minute here, why, or why like, don't we, why don't we get into trade? Why don't we get into trade deadline another time? Because right, that's too big of a topic. Yeah, it's, we'll get too much, and I, I'll do like a full trade deadline preview episode. Uh, before we go, though, we have to we have to talk about this defense. We have to have like an actual defense discussion because it's wild. They there's 22 seconds left in this game. They've given up 151 points. They gave up 152 last game. That's 303 points in two games. They cannot keep anybody away from the middle. And that's where all of these problems are coming from. Guys get to the middle. Guys get to the paint. It starts with the guards. It often starts with Isaiah Thomas. Guys just get to the paint. And then they create corner threes or swing passes or lobs or just flat out layups from there. And it is, it's amazing. It's unbelievable to watch. Let me ask you this. If I just said to you, I don't even know, like, we, we talked about this early in the season, like, what's their quote-unquote, if you said they're going to put out their best five defensive players, what's that lineup? I don't even know if that's such a thing. But for argument's sake, if I told you swap out to start the game Isaiah Thomas and put in Troy Brown, thus having Beal and, and Peyton in the backcourt with Troy Brown, Bonga, and Thomas uh, – wait, uh, wait, what are my things here? Oh, I know. Put in, put in Peyton – and Brown take out, pick a center, take out one of them, and and then go with the other guys. So you'd have uh, Beal and Peyton with Troy Brown, Bonga, and a center. Can't they? We just do that if we really just to see what would actually I happen. Actually wouldn't because, start Troy Brown. I, I agree with Scott Brooks' decision not to start Troy Brown. Well, my, my point. I'm trying to. Look, I'm trying to have a reasonable. I mean, okay. But I mean, I, I don't want to start Peyton, Beal, and one of these tiny point guards. I, I'm just saying, like, it, it, for the argument's sake of. I'm not, I'm not talking about Troy Brown, where he's best at. I'm just simply saying wh- whether you would put this lineup out in the court in the middle of the game or at the start, like put out some version of that line or front or put Bonga and Bertans in there, uh, whatever. I'm just saying, the, to me, it starts with the point guards. I'm not even so much picking on Ish Smith, but either point guard is small, and Isaiah Thomas is really – I mean, this isn't breaking news. He's just a mess defensively. And it's not even so much that he is just – it doesn't look like he's even moving half the time out there to try to stop the other team. And the other players see this. They have to. I mean, this, I mean, this, is, this isn't – I'm not saying anything that's revelatory from having talked to 12 players on the team. I'm talking about this as a guy who has played basketball at any point in his life. So, this is what happens. So, just take, so the game is over. The Wizards lost 151-131. Only three times in the history of the NBA has a team given up back-to-back 150-point games. Uh, The 1982 Denver Nuggets did it, and the 1990 Denver Nuggets did it twice. And that's it. Uh, Well, congrats on making some history. Yep. Yep. You know what? I'm even taking a break to tweet this thing, because that is... That is... unbelievable well you tweet that and all i'm saying is like like again i'm not even talking about like while i have repeatedly said this is about next season all that yada 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 there is something to be said for you at some point do need to make sure you don't lose the guys this season and giving up 150 points in back-to-back games is one way to do that and look i mean you got to figure out a way to at least be reasonable 
and, and I'm not even saying it's on one person, but try something different. The most obvious thing to me to try is take out Isaiah Thomas. Not saying you have to take him out of the rotation altogether, but take him out. I would argue, like I said, if you put in Ish Smith, I get it. Ish Smith does try a little bit harder uh, defensively and all that, but he's still a small guy. If the whole reason, if you kept Gary Payton around because he's this guy who can help you defensively, and put him on the court. And my only reason for saying Troy Brown out there is he's a guy that can handle the ball to help Beal. So, you know, at least we have another – he was a quasi – you know, he's not a point guard. But, you know, he has some of those uh, – from a mentality standpoint, some of that skill. So you can kind of run a little bit of the offense through him if needed, whatever. Just try that. If you want to go bonga and Bertans and just have Beal handle the ball, knock yourself out. But you got to, at the start of a game, have some – form of resistance and nothing is happening with the, with this lineup right now. Yeah. I mean, it's not just resistance. I mean, they just, they don't rotate. They don't weak side help. You know, they, they might guys at the point of attack might play good defense for that one possession, but then nobody comes from the weak side and tags the roller. If they have to, you know, it's, it's very fundamental things. If you make them help. And especially if you make them help the helper, which is a very simple basketball concept for NBA players. It's it's there's just nothing, and it's it's really amazing. Like we we are watching one of the worst defensive teams of all time, and people who listen to this podcast know I'm not overly harsh. If if I say things that are critical, that's my job. You're harsher than I am. Like if I say yeah. if I say things that are critical. It's it's usually like I don't like to be critical by saying like this is bad. I like to say here are the numbers. You can decide for yourself if they're good or bad. See that number? That's a bad number. Or here's the film. You can decide for yourself if if this is good or bad defense. I'll tell you what it's supposed to look like and you can see that it's not supposed to what it's supposed to look like, you know? That's kind of how I like to do it. But we might be I mean, this is one of the worst defenses of all time. In the history of the entire sport, uh, it's it's amazing, and and you know what? Like, I know you're not supposed to. And here's my take. Here's what I'm getting at. I know you're not that you didn't expect to win games this year, and it's okay that they're not winning games. Fifteen and thirty-one is a little bit better than I expected where where I expected them to be coming into the season because I picked them to lose sure. sixty, and so they're they're doing better than that. But that being said, it's one thing to tank, and it's one thing to lose while developing guys. And on the whole, I do think they've done a good job developing guys and discovering young talent too. But it's a whole other thing to be the worst defense in the history of the sport or one of them. You know, like there are things that they can do. A lot of it is personnel-based. If their guys defended from a from a mental and strategic standpoint, if their guys defended perfectly, they still wouldn't be a great defensive team because they don't have defensive personnel. It's just not there. But they wouldn't be one of the worst defenses of all time. They wouldn't be in the conversation. And we're now 46 games into this season, and we can start to have the conversation of, is this the worst defensive team in the history of the league? Because it's really getting close there. Yeah, no, I mean, without a question. And, you know, like, totally agree. I mean, uh, this is not an argument against anything you just said. Uh, you know, when, when, when the season began, when we were back the last offseason and Tommy Shepard was working on figuring out how to, you know, what, what to do with this roster, the reality was he wasn't trying to build a team that was 
built to contend, i.e., you know, you need this, you need that. It was like, okay, what pieces what pieces can I get that improve the value of our of our depth, of our roster, whatever, to help us you know, move forward? And so he did that. And obviously he did a really good job. And look, there were also the other reality is no Mo Wagner, no Rui Hachimura, uh, Jordan McCray didn't play today. You know, I'm not forget John Wall, that's a whole other story. But like, you know, they haven't had a full roster in forever here at this point, right? But the you know, that said um, there is something to be to, to, to be said for kind of like what you're saying. Like you gotta, uh, what are we, what, what are we, what are we doing here? I mean, I don't want me to keep putting this back on Scott Brooks, but like at one point this year, he was using Isaiah Thomas and Ish Smith together, a scenario that made no sense because from a short <laughs> perspective, using Mahimi and Bryant together makes no sense from a big man perspective i mean i know they're shorthanded and i know that they there's only they don't have the pieces necessary to be a good defense but you don't but but you could put yourself in position to at least in theory be more functional but do but by using the roster where they're using it is not doing that it doesn't i mean you could do that you just have to make a decision we're not going to start isaiah thomas we're not going to put two centers on the court together I, i mean i think i just made the defense better without even doing anything (laughs) <laughs> like just do that and tell me how that works. If you tell me that doesn't work at all, well then uh, do something else. But this just doesn't make any sense. And like I said, uh, the, the Wizards overall this year, at this point, essentially the midway point of the year, have exceeded expectations. If you factor in the guys who aren't playing, there are more positives than there are negatives. In again, in the bigger bigger picture, look at the situation. But this is the part of the year where you can lose the team. This is the dog starts to be the dog days, especially when you're a team likely not going to the playoffs. I say likely being generous, but the the bottom of the East is, you know, or, you know, the, the, the eight seed in the East is a little flunky or fluky right now, whatever. So the, you, you can lose this team. If this continues, you've got to do something to, you know, not talking about necessarily winning a ton of games, just be more functional. Uh, it seems like it, for the, this is where the coach could, could make, make his mark. Or the GM, somebody over there to say, "Hey, we got to do this instead of this because this is clearly not working." Yeah, what one one more point to add, and then we're going to wrap up. It's not just about losing the team to me, and it's not just about like avoiding history. It's more about not developing bad habits in your young players, whether it's Troy Brown or Isak Bonger or when Mo Wagner comes back or whatever it is. You don't want guys not knowing how to rotate because nobody around them knows how to play team defense. You know, you don't want those habits, those bad habits being created because Isaiah Thomas is out of place a lot. And so you have to run and go recover to him. You don't want guys having the thought of, Oh no, if I leave my man, nobody is going to come and help the helper. And then I'm going to look like I got scored on. I don't want that. So I'm not going to go. You don't want that sort of mentality to be created on a team. That's when all of a sudden you look down the line at Troy Brown and he's still got bad habits at the age of 24 in three or four years or Bonga or Wagner or Thomas Bryant and they've still got the same bad habits and you're like, well, they spent a whole year in their developmental years reinforcing it. And that's one of the things that people talk about when they talk about player development on teams and you don't want that to be ingrained in these guys' minds because that's when you can stunt development. Uh, it's really, I mean, that's that's when you really, you really have a problem. Um, 
All right. And, and, yeah. And by the way, like that's kind of what I mean when I say like uh, losing the team because other than they have so many kids, the, the kids aren't going to like revolt. I just mean like yeah, like doing all the things wrong. You you want them to even if they're losing, you want them to continue to progress. And that is feels like it's going backwards right now, especially when you're giving up 150 points a game. Yes. All right. Uh, that is going to be it for today. If uh, who that was that was a wild ride. Yes, it was. Uh, if you're on social media or like Twitter or, or whatever, tell me what you thought of this format. I kind of want feedback or leave a review. And if you liked it, leave a review and tell me what you thought of the format. Because if if you liked it, then maybe I'll I'll try it for future episodes when I when I don't go to road games and we can talk about it. And it'll probably be more fun if it's like a closer game as opposed to a game like this ending in a 20 point game, even though the Wizards kind of cut it to eight. Never less than eight, right? Maybe they cut it to seven. Uh, but, you know, it ended up being a 20-point game and anticlimactic at the end. So maybe we'll do this for future ones, but subscribe to Wizards After Dark. Subscribe to The Athletic. You can get 40% off on an athletic subscription at theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. That's theathletic.com slash wizardsafterdark. And get your 40% off on a subscription there. Um that's going to be it for today. I'm not going to be podcasting after the Hornets game on Thursday, so there's going to be no post-game show for Friday morning, which means I'm not going to be back for you with an episode until Tuesday morning because I'm going to do a post-game show after the Golden State game on Monday. And at some point next week, either Monday or Wednesday, I'm going to do a trade deadline episode where I'm just going to talk about the trade deadline and preview that and all that. So going to figure all that out. Uh, I'll be back either Monday or Tuesday next week. The trade deadline episode is is certainly going to be in front of the paywall. So everybody will be able to listen to that one. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Do it for your 40% off at theathletic.com slash Wizards After Dark. Leave a review on iTunes. Give us five stars. All the good stuff. Um, I'll be back next week. I'll talk to you guys then.